the maybe even more than Eoflux, because what it's doing, which I really like, is it's sort of presenting all of these really bold, uh, retrofitted teen horror uh, icons everywhere. The image of Megan Fox in the bloody uh, uh, prom dress floating above the pool, um, her burning her tongue with the lighter, um, you know, every, the, the, the puking blood on the floor, and like Adam Brody as the guy in the band is another great one. That What a performance that is, by the way. Um, and th- it, was, it, was, it was seeing her, again, tell the story with the images. And that was the part of the reason I had to sort of divorce myself from the, the, the writing, because it was, it was hindering, it was a deliberate hindrance, me just listening to what was being said as opposed to what Shana was telling me. of a podcast directed by so we are continuing continuing our watch of karen kusama movies and we have now moved to jennifer's body starring megan fox and amanda seyfried so for me this is this is a movie i feel like when i first watched it i kind of fell into the trap of it which is sometimes we we don't want to be right like we want to go into movies blind we want to go into movies like okay this is my perspective of this movie and that's it but we do sometimes get affected by the way movies are marketed Right. And this movie is not what was marketed. <laughs> like it, it seems very different from what the commercials led you to believe. Like it felt like they were trying to attract like young male viewers to this in like the most titillating way possible. You know, you got Megan Fox, like fresh off of Transformers. She is like the new it girl. Um, but this is not that kind of movie. Like not to say that Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried aren't beautiful in this movie, but this is not i don't know that this is for 20 year old boys like this is maybe not the movie for a lot of young men like i don't know if they're ready for this what was your experience like you hadn't seen this right no no, no no so this this you came to like in your in your 30s so what was what was jennifer's body like for you as like an actual adult and not like a teenager going through puberty i think on uh my letterbox was usually my <clears throat> it's usually my like instant take sort of like snark sure. mm-hmm. uh because i you know i'm i'm lazy uh so i don't usually consume a lot of letterbox reviews that are like pages and pages there's no scrolling just the wall of text goes. no thank yeah. you yeah uh so yeah give me like a paragraph or less was the i was i was sort of like taken aback honestly by how much it put me back into like the idea like sort of like the the nervous energy that I think most people have either when they're in high school or at the very least like thinking back to it. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh God, like <laughs> going, going, yes. going back to those, those times. So like in that regard, it works like a horror movie much more like Heather's is like a horror mm-hmm. movie. Like the, the horrors of having to constantly be scrutinized by your peers or, or falling into the traps of scrutinizing others and comparing yourself to others, which unfortunately maybe that has more of a broad appeal now. Like I, I see on Wikipedia that, and I didn't click on it, but that it's been reassessed uh, after the Me Too movement. I don't, mm. I can't speak to that because I've not really read that connection. I was reading more into it that I feel that 
we, for whatever reason, want to like go back to high school through social media. Like you, you see that a lot with people like having that sort of the, the, the FOMO or like the Instagram thing where like they have to take a break because they're seeing other people's like successes or seeing their like image they're presenting of themselves. And it's scary that that has escaped high school because I remember a time before social media, after you leave high school and you leave your little area, you don't really know what the fuck people are up to. Thank like God. Before Facebook, any of that, <laughs> you're just like, oh, yeah, I remember that dude. And it's like <laughs> you end up like, – from my perspective, you have like a warmer reassessment of that time because now you've survived it. Mm-hmm. And so Jennifer's body – in an extreme fantastical version of it. And definitely with a more feminist perspective that I can't speak to as far as like what women go through as far as like when they become perceived as adults and to be treated as like adult flesh by, you know, the male gaze, I can't speak to that, but just in general, like just that general discomfort I felt it's Mm -hmm. really damn close to like an Mm -hmm. excellent, like just high school movie. You just Mm -hmm. remove all the fantastical elements and I think it's good on its own, but that does add to some of the fun trashiness of it that I really like. I also have to admit that I'm a big fan of Diablo Cody, which I know she became like very uncool, like mm-hmm. right after Juno. So this would have been this would be the movie, right? This would have been the backlash time. Yep. yep. Uh, I think that's a big I'm, piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, not being the target demographic at all, I dug the hell out of this one. I, I was really glad we covered it because I had a great time with this movie. Yeah, um, this is a movie like I've kind of done like almost a complete 180 on. Like when I saw it, I think because of expectations and because like <laughs> I was one of those assholes who was like, I fucking hate Juno. Fuck that movie. That movie's dumb. Can't stand it. It's gross. Uh, so I had this kind of like <laughs> anti and I knew it was written by the same person. Mm-hmm. So and I think sometimes when you're looking because Diablo Cody has a very specific voice to her film. How dare she? <laughs> no, I mean, a lot of writers don't, right? A lot of writers just kind of disappear into their movies. And I appreciate that she has her own, that you know a Diablo Cody movie when you're watching it. But if you're looking for that stuff and you're like already annoyed by her previous movie, there's a lot of stuff here you could pick out and be like, ugh, there it is. And I actually talked to our expert, Scott DeFoy, about this, who really likes this movie but can't stand some of the dialogue because he just hates Diablo Cody to this day, like just cannot deal with it. Um, but I do really think it, it of course has like the kind of feminist revenge aspect, but it also, I, I was, I was struck by how balanced it was because it would be very easy to be a quote unquote like man hating movie, but it also is talking about like toxic friendships between women, yes, yeah, like absolutely. how, how awful that can be and that judgment and that feeling of being watched and never being good enough. And, you know, and of course they couch it, some of it at least in the supernatural, right? But, but Jennifer's character is the, the kernels of that are there, even in the very beginning before anything happens. And then of course the possession or whatever is going on happens and it gets so, so much worse and so much more vicious. But just like once you, once you're like the first in your friend group to experience something, it's very easy to like talk down to everybody else who hasn't. And I think you get that here and it is brutal to watch. Like I was just watching this, you know, again for like, and I think I, this is like the third time I've watched it. And having that reassessment was really nice to just kind of throw all that away, throw all the like Megan Fox stuff away and everything that was going on and all the Diablo Cody stuff and just watch it as a movie. And I was also surprised at like how fucking gross this movie is. Like it just, especially when I think this is again, I've talked about this a couple times, but this is another reason why it's great to have female directors on movies like this. 
Because I think a male director. Okay. <laughs> no, wait, wait. There was a dramatic pause where it's like, wait, because they're gross? Like what? <laughs> no, okay. Hold on. Because a male director, when they have a gorgeous, supermodel, beautiful woman in the lead role, tend to be afraid to show them in sequences where they don't look beautiful. And with Karen Kusama here, that scene where she's like essentially like vomiting black bile when she comes back home. Like, it's, like, legitimately hard to watch. Like, I was watching this, like, this should stop now. I don't like this anymore. And I think if you have, I mean, not to, like, use this director because he had, you know, cast her in Transformers, but Michael Bay is not going to put her in a situation where she looks less than stunning to the male gaze. So it's nice to see that in a movie like this to really kind of delve into the the ugliness of this relationship Mm. and have it visually represented. That's a good point uh, because – the Neon Demon has one Nicholas Winding Refn who, you know, produces not gross content as in the entire thing, which, I mean, if you're not a fan of his, you, you may, you may agree that. with shout that out. already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to uh, High Rove, the True Romance Film Podcast. But um, there's a sequence in the Neon Demon where you have two models, that's the characters are playing, two supermodels, uh, bathing in blood like showering together and it's you know you have to really like assess i won't spoil it but you have to like remind yourself uh as especially like a straight male or or the woman that's attracted to other women you would have to like be like take a step back and be like okay what did i just watch a second ago like the (laughs) the reason for all that blood they're washing off you need to remind yourself why it's there because otherwise it looks like highly sort of titillating like sequence like something out of like a De Palma film which is that's his bread and butter right um, so I hadn't thought about that but that's a good point because and I can see where that's there's that probably produced quite a bit of backlash for mm-hmm. uh in particular having Megan Fox because yeah those sequences <laughs> you know it's like even if she was bathing in like vomit and bile probably not going to produce at least the way Kusama uh you know shoots it or decides to frame it not as titillating. Um, mm-hmm. But that also, I I think it does speak to the script as well, because everything yeah. I've read, uh, Diablo Cody, she was very unhappy with the marketing because she was like, it's about like female friendships. Like, mm-hmm. and if you survived high school, um, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad for many reasons. I'm not a woman uh, just in general. Cause it'd just be the harder. It's a, <laughs> just, it's just a bad you know, scene, man. It's really just harder. Oh, it's just harder. Yep. Um, but in particular in high school, like the the viciousness, uh, which that's that's something that's one reason I really like the Neon Demon was that it really does like it. Also, I think it's a nice like sort of companion. If you like Jennifer's body, you should like Neon Demon in that way because they're both about how vicious uh, the sort of like fake friends can be. Jennifer's body probably has a little more punch to it, a little more bite because and it's I funnier. Think, it's like surface level funnier. Like it. Yeah. 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 Um, I I do think that you're supposed to believe at some point that these two girls were legitimate friends. Oh, like yeah. whereas mm-hmm. in the neon demon type world or, or something like the <laughs> devil wears Prada. Right. You never are expecting like, Anne Hathaway is actually friends with any of these, these people, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so yeah, like it, I Heather's, I think is, is considered a classic. I, it would be interesting to time travel back to Heather's when it was released, because at least from my like film loving point of view, that's always been seen as a classic. Mm-hmm. 
I wonder if there were there angry young men in the late eighties. It was like fuck that movie. That movie, like, where was Winona Ryder? She's hot. Why are they? You know, why are they all dressed up playing like fucking croquet? And it's just <laughs> women talking to each other. What is this bullshit? Like, I well, I mean, I, if people were, were mad like, at that <laughs> movie, I'm betting it's because like the jocks were painted as gay. I think that would be why people would be mad at Heather. That's a that great. Time. Great. I love my dead gay son. I love that. I love that. (laughs) That's a great sequence. Um, yeah, I, I, but you, you hit on the head. Like all I remembered about it was I, I was not like a Megan Fox fan in 2008. I didn't like transformers and I'm like, I don't need to see like, well, I just thought it was like just sort of a a trashy kind of horror movie. Right. That is going to be like an attempt to titillate like eighties horror movies, but not really. And so I'm like, well, who needs it? Because we, we saw quite a bit of that. Isn't Michael Bay a big reason for that with his Texas Chainsaw Massacre yep. remake? Yep. That sort of thing. Like, I don't need more of this. Uh, I wish I had watched this earlier, but even when I saw some of the positive, like, uh, you know, reappraisal of this, I, in the back of my mind, I wondered, was like, was that for me? Because I, I think I would have a very different experience with Juno now than when I saw it initially when I was in my, like, early 20s. <laughs> Seeing it now, I'd be like, okay, I could see why some people like it, but that's that's just not my bag anymore. I'm too old right. for this, and that's fine. I, I did not have that that case at all with Jennifer's body. I think it, I think it plays very well once you're outside of the demo, which is probably why it was not financially successful. Right, because that's who they were marketing it to was the young <laughs> the young male audience. I also think I was reading up on the making of this a little bit, kind of Karen Kusama's struggles with you know the studio again. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's really interesting to me that. Uh, originally the the kiss between these two characters is not in the script um it's all like it's all gay subtext um and it's there like i'm watching it and i'm like oh yeah there is a there's a sexual attraction between these two this is not solely friendship necessary like i think if you take that out and the subtext is there i think everything still works I'm going to have to argue against you. Of course you are. Of course you are. The straight man (laughs) coming to the defense of the lipstick, lipstick lesbian kiss. There it is. (laughs) Look, I'm consistent with my, my brand. So I I can't, you can't hold that against me. That is, you know, (laughs) that I (laughs) instinctually, I'm meant to find that appealing to the eye. However, on brand, I want more of all of that with Mm. anyone. I don't care. Any of it, any sexuality on screen, put it in there. Don't, don't, you know, pussyfoot around with it at all. Like I, I want it all on the screen. But, but as you were watching it, like before that sequence, do you, to your eyes, does that read as a sexual relationship? Does that read as, as gay or was it, or was that lost in the, in the translation? It, no, it, it, it even without it, it reads that way or it reads as like, that neither character knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I, I think at that age, you yeah. know, that, that's, that reads as accurate. Like, Hmm. I, I wonder about that. What I like about the sequence other than just, you know, my, my base urges there is the body horror element of the Megan Fox character. Anyway, the demon possession, like in the way she is consuming people, I, any of that stuff, there is an extra degree of tension, which is, is playing to, what young people would really go through in that experience. Like where they're almost they're in it, but they're also standing outside of it, like questioning everything about what they're doing. And so they can never be like hundred percent committed to it because since it's the first time for all of this stuff, you know, they have to like 
be constantly assessing and reassessing like themselves. I, I dug it. I thought it was a pretty cool way to put that in a horror movie because of that. Because as a viewer, I'm like, like, is this playing into like, you know, Jennifer here? Is this, is this like the demonic possession? Is it, like, what is this, what is this doing within the, I guess, <laughs> the Diablo, Diablo Cody universe, the horror universe, as far as like what's happening here? And there's a little bit of that like sort of Eon Flux kind of thing where, I don't really know the rules and I don't feel like the characters know exactly like what's up with her. Like when she comes back in or why is she like, I was watching this with my wife and you know, there's a sequence you talked about making Megan Fox look not that attractive where she looks like she is like a drug addict who's about mm-hmm. to like kill over. She's about to die. Like yeah. was terrible. <laughs> I think those are my wife's words. Like she looks like she's about to die. Like right now, <laughs> like in that ch- that chair. We're 15 so, minutes into the movie and like Jennifer is going to die. I'm bad. like Aeon Flex where I'm like, I'm like kind of like fighting wrestling with the movie. Like I don't really understand or I don't understand what I'm supposed to understand just yet. At least with this one, I feel like we're on solid ground where when I feel confused, it's because like the Amanda Seyfried character is also confused. Like, I don't really know what's happening in our life right now or how to, how to play this. Um, the only issues I may have with the film, you didn't like two women kissing, whatever. That's fine. You're so conservative, such a staunch right wing. Right. I get that's it. Right. Um, is it does, it feels a little rushed towards the end. Well, once the, I guess mm-hmm. the shit, agree the fan, with that. Mm-hmm. we kind of have to rush through things. Um, but that's a small, small criticism. Uh, like this is, this would be one from this month where like, you know, when we had our Eon Flux conversation, we're basically talking about what could have been, or I wonder what the other versions like. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one that I legitimately could throw on and mm-hmm. like want to rewatch and not like you, you freak, where I've just got Charlie's Theron in the background like 24 seven, which is not a bad way to live. I mean, there are other <laughs> movies, Dave, you know, there are she's been in films. a lot of movies, Mike. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> So yeah, I, I had no problem with the uh, with the, the gay kiss, Dave. Uh, you son of a bitch! Why, I don't know why you'd want to take that away. What what is what's the issue here? No, I think I mean I do I do think that it should be there, but it does it does feel like there's coddling no, the attempted demo they were going a for a little bit, and it also feels like when you cast two actresses who look like Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried, there's no way this doesn't get sensationalized, right? It doesn't mean that it's not a a good moment in the movie, but like when you have two people who are that good looking, like you're going to have people react in a way that's like, oh, they're just having it there to titillate. You're just doing this. You're just doing that. And like, question. go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's play a little hot or not. <laughs> okay. At what level of like, you know, plain Jane, or like, like sort of, who would I cast that's ugly enough for this not to be no, sensationalized? No, no, no. I'm just saying. Say? <laughs> or like you tend to see it more with men, honestly, like in like romantic comedies, like Adam Sandler's a pretty good example for me, like schlubby, normal dude. It's not that he's like a hideous creature. No, but he's also a normal not, looking like, guy. He's not a pinup guy. You right. wouldn't expect like if you saw a movie where he was like people were falling all over themselves, like, oh, my God, most beautiful man. You'd be like, who did Sandler write this himself? Who right, is this? Right, like, right. <laughs> so like, do you ever feel like... <laughs> There's there's a need to have like, quote unquote, like normal or more normal looking people so you can get away with those type of things where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is genuine because no one's really going to get off on Adam Sandler having physical <laughs> interactions with other people. So it's totally justified. 
Here's what I'll say. I think there's a need for that in general, especially with uh, with women in Hollywood, because like the beauty standard is so high, like just to mm-hmm. get almost any role, unless you're going to be like, I don't know, like an older character actor, like then you can look like a normal person. But like, if you're going to be like one of the next big things in terms of movies, like there is this insane beauty standard. So like, I'm tr- I'm actively trying to think of like, who is a normal looking woman in Hollywood? And I, it's uh, funny, like, uh, uh, was always considered that, but Tina Fey is she's like, beautiful, like really attractive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just, it just doesn't exist, you know, and you might find it of course, in like more independent film, right. Things that aren't like run by studios and run by Hollywood. You might see some women that look like normal women. Uh, but like in movies like this to get big budgets like this, you're going to have supermodel looking women, you know? And that's just, I guess that's why I just don't, up. uh, I don't consider it. Cause I'm just like, if you're in a movie, you're already one of the like the gods above us, like peasants. So yes, we're we're paying good money to see you make out with each other, and it's fine. I, I feel like that's that's just part of it, right? That's the the pact we make with I our mean, gods. It's I mean it's a part of it with actresses, but not actors. Like yes, there are beautiful male stars, but there's also plenty of stars that don't fit into that category. You know, and there's much more opportunity for men. Than there are for women that like don't fit in that box. I've never heard this before. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you're a stupid man. <laughs> okay, the heterosexual no, I guess, white guys. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I agree with you, but like, because I, I, it would probably be strange if uh, we were to like, <laughs> if we were expected to be titillated by like Paul Giamatti, like getting it on with somebody. Because I feel like you know that's always going to be played for some degree of of laughs or. or and to be like, fair, the sex. other side of it is male sexuality usually is played for laughs. Yes, male yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that's the give know. and take, I guess. I don't know. I'm I'm just fine with uh, Jennifer's body having as much. <laughs> <laughs> give me all that gay shit. Great. <laughs> yeah, do it. do it. Do it up. Do it up right. I you know, know, but I think you actually like bring up a really good point is that I think maybe maybe one of my issues with it is that like that's the only moment of it. Right? Like if you actually made so it sticks out more. As yeah. Like if you made that romance an actual maybe. plot and not just like one moment that's fleeting, then maybe Look, I'm, you know, more OK with it. I'm sure the studio, uh, they've been like that guy. He's got the notes. <laughs> Put it more. <laughs> Just go for it. So, I mean, I guess the only the only things we really haven't talked about is kind of the, the victims of this movie. All these guys who are just eh. like distra- – I really do like uh, Adam Brody in this movie as like the, the super creepy uh, uh, lead singer of the band in the very beginning. I think he's really good. I think he's really funny. And like – He fits. He that does. Time, that is it. You Especially about the time, time period. period. Yeah. yeah. Um, I watched uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist like last summer. I love that movie. And, uh, that's a good one. That, that's also like a, who a directed time that? Film. Did they direct anything else? Can we cover that? On the show? I tell you what, it's a fun. It's a fun movie, and uh, it, I think it ages. I think you're far more forgiving of the time period the further you get away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say probably like two years out, Nick and Nora, and probably even Jennifer's Body feels they felt like way more dated two years after they came out than they do now. Uh, strangely in that regard um because i mean who are they playing here they're basically like playing like what like fallout boy or something yeah. like so or even band. something smaller like you know they're about to be the next big thing right like it's and it There's does the evil fallout boy is that what you're saying the, the failed fallout boy <laughs> yes, i don't the, the fallout boy yes that's that's right Ooh, that's bad. <laughs> 
You're going to come off really horrible on this one. I know. It's great. Anti-gay sexuality on film. I'm <laughs> all for it. <laughs> especially with those two young ladies. Uh, who directed... Uh, the truth uh, comes out, especially with those two young ladies. That's, that's really what that's uh, about. I, I got to be honest, you know. Um, Peter Soleil, I think is his name, uh, for Nick and Nora. Uh, the last thing he did was Free Held with Julianne Moore uh, and Little Juno. Oh, wow. Um, he's only done three films. Raising Victor Vargas. Do you ever see that? 2002? No, I've heard of it, but I never saw yeah. that. Good. Uh, Nick and Nora, uh, six years later, and then Free Held seven years later. So Come on. Two and, more movies. Maybe in 15 uh, uh, years. Aaron Kasama <laughs> month is like, hey, you produced some stuff that people liked, and you still get no respect. Right? So this guy, he cannot be Caucasian. Yes, <laughs> there was something else that held him back. He'd be doing a dinosaur movie at this point. Um, anyway, um, I, I don't, I don't have really any issues with, with this, um, because I, I think that whatever it's missing as far as like following the thread, uh, the genre makes it like, like you're, you're more forgiving anyway, right? Yeah. Like, so the sort of demonic pact, like, you know, the fail out boys, you called them like. <laughs> When they present, hey, this is what we're doing. I'm way too proud of that, by the way. I know. Go ahead. I'm going to keep calling them that. That's what they are in continuity now. They have a really stupid name anyway, uh, which my wife hated. I can't remember at this point now. Low Shoulder. That's what they're Oh, that's a terrible name. God. I must have blocked (laughs) that out. out. This is a lot better. Um, So, yeah, when they present this, like, hey, we're going to sacrifice you, a pretty young high school student, you're just like – all right. <laughs> I guess that's what, you know, failed what we're doing. emo pop punk bands do. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the, the issues would be necessarily. Like, I don't even think that stylistically this is that out there. I'm not saying that as a knock, mm-hmm. but usually these type of initially failed films uh, that come back into sort of the pop culture conversation, I can somewhat see like, Oh, maybe that was asking too much of our like pea brains back in 2008, <laughs> but not really. I think th- I think this is just like a total like total misplay by like uh, general audiences to not yeah. give us a chance. Because if this came out, fuck, I don't know if this came out in like 2003 with different actors, mm-hmm. I could also see where it would have been a hit. Like yeah. I think this is just one of those things where it just it just didn't catch at the right time, and unfortunately, maybe a lot of it did have to do with Megan Fox. I don't know. Maybe she had not. She had not acquired a serious enough, like, I'm an actor audience to get the the general people to come in and not feel like a pervert. You're making me feel Mm -hmm. like a pervert for enjoying this movie. (laughs) And how do you think real adults would feel like, oh, give me one for uh, the the new movie starring Megan Fox, please, about a high school student called Jennifer Bobby. Yeah. And, like, the the posters are all her in, like, a schoolgirl outfit. Like, it's very – Yeah. Absolutely. One of the things I love about this movie is – so – Horror in general has feminist aspects, but I wouldn't call most horror feminists, right? You have the final girl, right? The girl always survives at the end. But the catch is like, oh, that has to, has to be the girl that doesn't fuck. Like that has to be the pure, that has to be the nice girl who everybody loves, right? So they, me. <laughs> hate her. Maybe, maybe you hate. <laughs> general audiences, let's say that. Um, but this kind of turns it on its head, right? Like you have the feminist aspect, but you also have both of these, both of these lead characters being sexually active. Like there's no, like our good girl needy, which is another great name for a 
character. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she's still, you know, she's into the romance with her boyfriend. She's into sex. She's into, you know, the romance with Jennifer. Like there is an actual sexual growth happening with this character. And I find it interesting that the end of the movie, even though she's quote unquote kind of been infected by Jennifer and her powers, it's shown as empowering. It's not shown as a curse necessarily. It's like, I don't think people watch the end of this movie and she levitates and she starts using her powers and you're like, oh no, everything is terrible. Like for She's me, gonna eat people. For me, yeah, I was like, no. yes, this is awesome. Great. Now she gets out of the asylum. She can, she can do whatever she wants. This is great. So it is very empowering in that way by the end of the movie. And in lesser hands, this could feel like just two hours of punishment for this woman. <laughs> but instead you get the feeling of like, oh, she's actually coming out on top here. That's the other thing with uh any type of film with a female lead that primarily is directed at young men, uh they <laughs> it seems like either the the filmmakers, studios producing this content or just the consumers as far as what they respond to and training the studios to make more is we want to see our women in peril and they must suffer for at least an entire movie. Mm-hmm. And only only in the sequels do they become badass enough. Do right. they earn those stripes? You see that in Halloween series. You see that in uh, Alien with uh, Ripley. You know, she mm-hmm. becomes an action god when – if you watch the first film, she's just trying to fucking just, survive. Just trying to she's survive, She's a normal man. person. I mean yep. normal-ish in a, like a, a heightened situation. Right. But yeah, she, she is not you know, getting, get away from her, you bitch, in the first film, right. mm-hmm. which is fine. I'm not saying that they're being sexist there, but I do think that there is a little bit of a sexist – bent from consumers as far as like oh sigourney weaver can be badass now because i've seen i've seen what her character has gone through and you you see a little bit of that with like the star wars series i Mm -hmm. like dave i'm so old that like i get on (laughs) i I find my way rarely now and frequently because it's as i said i'm old and it's better for my health to very infrequently stumbling into these like arguments on twitter or online and I'm, I see, like, with Star Wars series that the, the Ray character is called a Mary Sue. And uh, <laughs> someone, someone even asked me, Jesus. like, in real life, like, what do they, what is this? What does this mean? Like, <laughs> calling, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I was like, I could kind of get into the weeds with you on it. But as far as, like, how that actually comes to be, it's just like, it's so far beyond me where I'm just like, well, that's just, that's just wrong. That's just, I'm not even going to. Well, like, I mean, you're talking that. about something that essentially started with fan fiction like that's that's where the term it's already comes bad, from, right bad so you're already in the weeds like it's just <laughs> yeah I mean, you know i'm also one of those people that's like okay she's a mary sue uh so's luke so shut the fuck up like everything comes easy. everything comes easy because they're the hero shut up like, that's the and we point. only have two hours or two <laughs> right, and a half hours right. i'm not gonna spend yeah. three and a half hours in one star wars movie I'm, I'm sure the nerds would love it but no thank you hard pass on that yeah but you're right in a lot of these you know, because I would include Alien as a horror movie, and in a lot of these horror movies, it's like, you know, just just beat this woman up for two two hours, and then maybe if we make enough money, then in the sequel, she can actually take ownership of herself. And even this the movie, ones that are that you know, that, like the creators seem to have confidence that they're going to be a hit. Kill Bill. The premise is watching Uma Thurman get shot in the shot head, in the head, covered in blood. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, she starts kicking ass, kicking ass in that movie. But the, the the opening sequence is watch her be you know put into a coma. That's that's sort right. of thinking. Uh, yeah, and in this like the last I would say last forty five minutes of this movie are needy kind of coming into her own and taking ownership of who she is and fighting back. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to have her punished for an entire movie and then just have five minutes where miraculously she escapes. Like, no, she actually does it herself. And I like that about this movie, that they actually spend time with that. Because very easily, this could just be the Megan Fox show. Like, she was the draw at this point. She was the hot girl on the posters. But this really, the last hour of the movie, does become Amanda Seyfried's movie in a lot of ways. And, I mean, it's, for, for as much as I liked it as just a high school movie, like, there is that... It's like the opposite of survivor's guilt. Uh, I don't think anyone feels guilty for like surviving high school, like and, no. like moving on. So all of these little battles that you you have, uh, where you're trying to like operate as a young adult and and figure out how to deal with, you know, like the Jennifer character is is a bully, like consistently throughout. Mm-hmm. Like you know, she's she's a bully before she becomes like yeah. a demon. She's a little softer in the beginning, <laughs> but there's still that manipulation going on. For sure. Like I don't trust anyone that is wearing like short shorts and leg warmers to bed. I, I like I, I like I already thought there's something off about this, don't like this, this person. One. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um that she thinks she can she can pull that off or she has the right to to pull that off. There's something demonic already there. <laughs> but yeah, uh the needy character like that's where the the I like I've kind of put up with enough bullshit at this point in my life. Uh, that I can I can leave those concerns behind, and it's cool that in this version of it, I saw where Roger Ebert called it uh, Twilight for boys, which uh is kind of unfortunate because I think the aim was still to be like it was still to be for girls, mm-hmm. but uh, the marketing certainly was for boys. Um, you know these these characters like once they get past this, there's that that sort of embellishment, that sort of like superhero kind of fan service that if your target is a young audience, that, that, that acknowledgement that's like, you're going to get past this and you're going to be better for it. Um, but in the, in the genre film, it's like, Hey, you get <laughs> demonic powers yep. and in the twilight movies, you become a vampire and have vampire babies. I don't, I didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't watch those because <laughs> if you think I was afraid to say one for Jennifer's body, there's no way I was ever going to say one for twilight. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I think I think this is better from my understanding. I feel like this is a little more empowering than Twilight, but I I, I don't know for sure. <laughs> I don't want to offend. <laughs> I think that's safe. Um, all right, so that's it for Jennifer's body. Um, on our next episode, we will be talking about the invitation. Um, so uh, until then, you should check out our Twitter feed at Directed by Pod. Or if you'd like to hear more of our interviews with our experts, uh, this this month we have Scout Tafoya from Ebert Voices talking about Karen Kusama. And you can donate to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast directed. 